0: Survival Kit for the Mental with San Canessa. Rise and stretch. Thank you for this cup of coffee for I Don't Know Why I Need to Get Up. I'm San Canessa welcoming you to Survival Kit for the Mental squeezing your mind and gut tightly from central america i'm a painter artist noise maker mover shaker neurodiversity activist bipolar queer human from el salvador yes that tiny little nugget below mexico below guatemala gratitude for my friends and family who keep making me make sense of this life what would I do without you thank you for voices in my head that guide me to record these fascinating controversial rants in which I get to explore my own mentals mental health and the arts and what it means to survive these times that make absolutely no sense Attempting to indeed make sense of it all. Together, maybe, we will create a survival kit to endure our mind and this world. May this podcast inspire you to play and doubt everything. Salvador welcoming us, you, into this 18th episode, allowing joy and grief to manifest in the body at the same time. I've been asking myself how one can feel and allow joy in the body and allow. Grief and anxiety and uncertainty in the body at the same time. For I have been experiencing sort of a guilt shame relationship the times I do feel joy and excitement during this quarantine pandemic time, during and while receiving different news, whether it be. You know, news of injustices in the United States or news about the political militarizing situation in El Salvador or the COVID deaths or the starvation or the lack of freedom, the lack of voice, the domestic violence and also news of new ways of shaping identity, new ways of relating, new ways of commerce and new ways of solidarity forming within the body at the same time. New ways of seeing life and expression and pathwork and pathways and interests shaping and forming. And my question was, how do I allow myself to feel joyous? Because I've felt joyous this week. Good things have happened in my life. And I met with collective grief and my own grief at the same time for what I'm losing, for what is dying within me, for what is being taken. So how do I grieve what is being taken and feel joyous about what is being received? For the longest time, I recognized that it was always one or the other for me in this same hierarchy of emotion in this way whereas in a career or as in an ego identity one has a resume of how one should behave in a pandemic, how one should feel under pressure, how one should perform, like our hierarchy of like good ways to cope and our hierarchies around negative ways to cope. Same with our emotions, at least for me. And so I am aware that we're all programmed to avoid what is threatening and to seek what is satisfying and to feel connection to pack. I recognize the need to control my environment, to control my emotions, because I want things to go the way I want them to go and that same disappointment that same disillusionment that same waking up that things are not going the way that I should or the way that I think they should right, what a terrible word, should and also met with new forms that things are going, and within that, finding goodness. Within that, seeing the opportunity. And honestly, it's a time where I find myself receiving so many different kinds of news, and accepting the space and time, those news, that digestion, the time required for digestion, And yet also shitting is necessary. Where's the course of action? I feel so impressed by people that upon receiving news, organize themselves and create action. And I've also felt a lot of compassion and respect for the people that when receiving news, choose to process and gather in sharing their emotional response to what happened. And it's neither one or the other. And how can we allow both in our own bodies and not seek the extremes of either grief or joy, but learn this communion of marinating in both of them and taking away the stigma of one being of more service than the other or of one being what you want to feel versus what you're actually feeling. So as, I don't know if this has made any sense for this allowing both extreme emotions in the body at the same time is quite a complex thing for myself to express and understand mentally, spiritually, emotionally, psychically. Especially because I'm a very anxious person. So whether I call it anxiety or excitement, both my grief and my happiness or joy are somewhat tainted by the shiver, by the shake of anxiety. And so I've been sitting with the RAIN tool that we've practiced and I've mentioned a few times in this podcast, which is a mindfulness tool that's recognize, recognize the emotions, acknowledge the emotion, investigate, non-judgmentally. And so in this kind of self-made inquisitive labyrinth that it is to kind of mentally grasp what is somatically happening, the most important thing I've found is to not feel shame. I do not want to feel shame for my numbness. I do not any longer want to feel shame for my joy in a time of chaos. I do not want to feel shame for my restlessness in times of stillness. I do not want to feel shame for my lack of presence when presence is what I feel like should be present. I don't want to feel shame when I find touch desirable I don't want to feel shame when I find touch uncomfortable I don't want to feel shame when I close the door to scenarios I cannot face and I don't want to feel shame for the doors that I open because I'm ready to take them on regardless of the ones around me feeling their own way which they are in their whole power and deserving self-existence to feel. So then I get into the question of how do I allow joy and grief to manifest in my body without judging or needing my collective to feel the same way. And how I don't want to assume how the other one feels. I don't want to judge how the other one Feels And I also want to recognize, especially during this pandemic time, things that have always existed are escalating to a very visual state and present state. And maybe that's why it's been up till now that people have found their grief or their sense of injustice or their sense of need to act or you know, like, shaped their activism towards that because it required this pandemic for them to see, for me to see. Because I made an episode. Oh, I don't even know what day it was here in the COVID times, but I was talking about how every country is dealing, what it corresponds, what corresponds to that country, the underlying issues, the issues that were always there. It's like the plastic in the ocean. Is floating up and you can't hide right everyone's like seeing what is everyone's noticing the foundation of the structures because it's really being asked upon this time is asking upon society and culture to have a sort of transparency because masks are falling down interestingly as masks are actually be putting on the face it's like the masks that we're invisibly carrying have fallen. And yet we've always worn masks. And now it's all of a sudden it's this funny thing, right? In certain places, people get bullied for using masks or people don't want to wear masks because it doesn't look good or you don't have the proper like design mask and you know whatever. You want to still shape yourself a certain way. And honestly, we've always been wearing masks. And be there as it may, yeah, the touch factor. Even in this time, coming back to feeling both joy and grief in both of these extremes, to consider them opposites this one time, it is so desired to receive touch. When I feel joyous, I wanna hug and squeeze someone. And I fear being too excited or overwhelming their somatic body with my tight squeeze, peach cobbler, like, oh my God, I oh wanna, yeah, And then when I'm in grief, I pretend that I need space and I don't want to, but my pores are sweating through my eye, tears, and I crave a squeeze. When I was kind of, com- contemplating on how we actually desire the same things on both sides of the extreme equations of emotions. I was remembering the story a body worker of mine told me like two years ago when I went to see him I was sharing you know I was giving him my background and I told him I was bipolar and that I was on medication all this stuff and as a lot of times that, this, that I'm sharing my story, the person I'm sharing to responds to with, oh, I know someone that's bipolar and this is my story around them or with them or through them. And I love this story because he told me that it was maybe a decade before that he was living in this like co-living with five other people and one of them, dear friend, was bipolar. And one of the things that he noticed and that the household noticed was that there were certain similarities, but just masked differently, but somatically the same when he was extremely manic and excited and, you know, just contemplating the stars and the moons and the galaxies and maneuvering through a lot of projects. And then when he was in an intense swallow, swallow underwater depression. And what I mean by he was in the same place, I'm talking somatically. I'm talking nervous system. Just in one extreme, the nervous system in the, ma- in the mania is so present that it's shaky, right? The nervous system is yelling, ah! It's like a fucking like popcorn machine. And in the depressive swallow wallow state the nervous system is also shut but it is so shot that it becomes numb in order to be endured and so collectively they decided that when this human was on extremes they would make a sandwich with him like the house So all of them would start this ritual, this practice with him where they would put him on the bed and everyone would get on top of him for 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes, one minute, whatever. And they told him that this was a tool that he could always ask for and access. And he was sharing how he witnessed the somatic nervous kind of cool down while on the mania, and when depressed, they that he had experienced this like heating up and relaxing, both cooling down and relaxing are kind of the same aspect of the nervous system. So what I love about this story is the power of touch, the power of touch that we have been somewhat shown and You know, uh, now the propaganda says that touch kills, right? And to be truthful, touch saves lives. And so this is one's own personal negotiation of inner truths and beliefs. Like, how much are you going to touch? Who are you going to touch? And what is the responsible way of touching? Which there's a lot of space and opportunity to understand boundaries and self-care through this time into knowing and witnessing and exploring what kind of touch you crave on both of these extremes and how touch teaches one that the emotions exist at the same time constantly and both emotions are quite similar chemically And somatically, systematically, and how we can use this limitation of touch to actually create our own measuring and measurement and amount and pressure of what we need to allow both joy and grief to manifest in our bodies at the same time. And for me, honestly, I've hardly been touched this quarantine. I went from, you know, I, I go from very, a big hugger to don't touch me. And so, especially with like high anxiety, heightened fear, um, touches death kind of narrative. I've had very little touch these last three months. Maybe less than ever. And it's been interesting kind of witnessing myself seeking it and being like can I get a hug and the presence that I feel when I get a hug and the value that I give to touch and the witnessing and relationship I feel towards touch and exploring both of these emotions while receiving that touch or that hug or that handshake or you know that Hugging one another, oneself at the same time while looking at each other in the eyes. And so it's weird for this time, but perfect because life is both weird. When life is weird, it's when it makes sense for me. So how do I allow both joy and grief to manifest in my body through touch? Whether if it's my own hand or someone else's hand. And I mean, if you cannot brave or dare or in your beliefs, touch is death, one can look at someone in the eyes and mimic the sense of touch and explore even that. Like how does the reflection of you and that touch feel in your body? And to start going through your organs and seeing all the different emotions that live. In you at the same time and the wild thing about this for me is that that means that I have access to all of them whenever like if I'm sad there's laughter and there's joy there's release there's grief there's hope when I'm joyous there's anxiety there's dread there's unworthiness and there's worthiness And in this time when nothing makes sense, and in this time when nothing has ever made sense, this is a pretty insane thing to explore. So may you have the courage to play and doubt everything. Even this whole yipper-yapper I just threw out there. And may you have the courage to bring beginner's mind to every time you relate to your own emotions. What would a child do? What would you tell a child to respond to, not react to? And how do I continue to hold space? for both grief and joy throughout my life, throughout this day, with no shame, with no hierarchy of positive or negative, with no, with the knowing that I live in uncertainty and that I am responsible for my own uncertainty and that this is the tool I wish to explore this week, and that is magnificent. So I wish you the week that you wish yourself, and I wish you the day that you seek to embrace the mood that you desire, the relationships that you tend to in the way that you tend to. And yeah, write me a note or two of what you thought about this, share me a little bit and how you believe or feel or know or not know or totally disagree about allowing joy and fear, joy and grief to exist, manifest in the body at the same time at mentalpopcorntime at gmail.com. To support this podcast, please subscribe, write a review. And also, check out my artwork at www.sancanesa.com because it's all about mental health awareness through fine art. So, happy rainy Sunday with and from El Salvador, and I'll find you next week. Thank you for your time and your wet, wet Boniness, because it's raining. Bye. Survival kid for with San Canessa.